We've been dealing with the theme of live heroically, and we've been focusing on, uh, last week we focused on as well as we'll do it this week, is that living heroically takes persistent prayer. Living heroically takes persistent prayer. Um, as we've noted as well, the word heroically means in an admirably brave or determined manner. In an admirably brave or determined manner. This past week, my wife and I had the uh, privilege of having our oldest granddaughter and our youngest grandson uh, hang with us for a few days. And I, I, I had, for two of the four days, I had prayer duty and reading duty for my youngest grandson. And, and so the first night that I read to him... Uh, we got a book from Sesame Street character Grover. Anybody know Grover? Okay, and, and the book has to do with uh, characteristics of an animal, and then he, he chooses which one I'm describing. Okay, and so I did that, and then I got ready to pray, not knowing that outside the door my wife was listening to my prayer. And so I thought, well, I'm, I'm going to just do a prayer that I've heard all my life, and I thought it was good enough, but... Let me continue. And so I prayed. I said, look, I go, I go, Riley, look, I'm going to pray and you're going to repeat what I say. Okay. Okay, grandpa. I said, I said, okay, let's let, I'm going to start and you follow. Now I lay me down to sleep. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord, my soul to keep. I pray the Lord, my soul. And if I should die before I wake, if I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord, my soul to take. I pray the Lord. So I thought that was a good prayer. But apparently not, because as soon as I stepped out, my wife was like there, like, that prayer? That prayer? <laughs> like, and the way I translated, the way I heard it was like, out of all the prayers, you had to choose a morbid prayer? You're already sending them to heaven? And <laughs> that's what I was hearing. Like, you, you couldn't have prayed a bold prayer, a scriptural prayer that was full of faith, but you chose that one. So I was, I, by the time she was done with me, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> and, and I tell that story because when we talk about prayer, a lot of us uh, will affirm that we do need to pray. We'll agree that, yeah, prayer is important. But truth be told, we sometimes don't have a clue of what to pray. Now, any retirees here? Anybody retired yet? I came across a retiree's prayer. So when you, when you getting ready to retire, let me know and I'll give you this prayer. Okay. But here's a retiree's prayer. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my shape to keep. <laughs> please no wrinkles. Please no bags. And please lift up my backside before it sags. <laughs> please no age spots. Please no gray. And as for my belly, please take it away. Please keep me healthy. Please keep me young. And thank you, dear Lord, for all that you've done. Amen. Let's go to Daniel's prayer that we began looking at last week. Daniel chapter 6, verses 10 and 11. It reads, now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home. And in his upper room and in his, and with his window open, watch this, his windows open, notice, toward Jerusalem. He knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God. 
as was his custom since early days. Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. There's a Christian author and writer by the name of Richard Foster who says that most of us consider praying a skill that we must master, like algebra or auto mechanics. But such a belief deceives us to believe that somehow we are in control. He goes on to say that when we pray, we actually, we actually deliberately surrender control and become incompetent. You see, prayer is not for the purpose of telling God how good I am. But actually the exercise of prayer is a reminder of how much help I need. Prayer is the activity in which I am expressing that I need help outside of myself. Prayer itself is me recognizing that I lack, that I need assistance, that I need someone that is greater than I to intervene on my behalf. And when we look here at Daniel 6 verses 10 and 11, this is an instance of true courage rising out of right principles. It was not defiant, not obtrusive, but calm, cool, strong. As we've noted, Daniel was 85 years old at the time of this occasion that we've read about. And though great, he bowed before God. Though busy, he found time to pray. And though wise, he did not escape envy. This is so important that you capture this. The Bible emphasizes in these two verses that Daniel practiced prayer consistently. It wasn't something that he did sporadically or occasionally. But the Bible emphasizes that this was a practice that he exercised persistently, continually, habitually. And because he did so, when he prayed, he was acknowledging the greatness of God as well as positioning himself to experience God's greatness manifested in his life. When he prayed, he was humbling himself, acknowledging, I need help that is above me, help that will assist me, help that will empower me. And when he prayed, he made sure that he was seeking God because he understood something, that whenever you and I are called by God to accomplish a task, there will be enemies, there will be people who will become envious as God begins to elevate us. But because he prayed, Daniel didn't have to worry about his enemies. Because he prayed, Daniel did not find himself at a point in his journey and in his walk when he was clueless because God would continue to download to him through visions and dreams and would continue to counsel his heart. And I want you to see this today, that if you and I will persist in prayer, we will experience God's greatness in our lives. We will not walk in life clueless. We will live life's purposeful because God will not leave us in the dark. When we pray, He will turn on the light. His Spirit will illuminate our hearts and minds. And when we pray, God will hold our enemies at bay and see to it that His purpose and promises for our lives is fulfilled. What I love about this passage of two verses is this. 
that through it, we learn how to pray effectively. And we learn about the components, the elements that are part and parcel of what powerful prayer is about. The Bible tells us that he prayed according to Scripture. He prayed according to Scripture because in 1 Kings chapter 8, Solomon asked God to give special notice to the prayers of his people when they prayed toward Jerusalem and the temple. Look at 1 Kings 8.30. It says, And may you hear the supplication of your servant and of your people Israel when they pray toward this place. What place? The temple in Jerusalem. And do you remember in Daniel 6.10, what he would do as he was getting ready to pray? He would open his windows towards where? Jerusalem. Why did he do that? Because he was aware of this scripture. He was aware of Solomon's prayer. He was praying according to scripture. And there's something about when you and I pray according to scripture. And not just our feelings. Not just our emotions. Not just our thoughts. When we pray according to scripture. We have the guarantee of God's backing. Of God's working. Because he said through Jeremiah. I watch over my word to fulfill it. In Jeremiah chapter 1. He said through the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 55, So shall my word be that proceeds out of my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but it will fulfill the very thing for which I sent it. When I pray the scripture, God not only hears, He heeds. Because He's not just one who speaks. He's a God who performs what He has declared. He prayed according to scripture. And then the Bible tells us that He knelt down. On his knees. Would you say neology? Yeah, neology. If we want to see God's power at work in the church, we need more neology than theology. Listen, I'm all about theology, the study of God. That's a fancy word, theology. Theos, logos. Logos means study. Theos means God, the study. But we need neology. We need to call on God. Because it's not what you know, but who you know that makes the difference. And when we get down on our knees, not only do we know Him more intimately, we will know Him more powerfully at work in our lives. He knelt down on His knees, praying just like Jesus did. The Bible tells us in Luke 22, 41 that the third time Jesus prayed, he prayed about a stone's throw away from his inner circle in the garden of Gethsemane, Peter, James, and John. It says that he prayed about a a stone's throw away. And it says that he knelt down and he prayed for the third time. Father, if it is at all possible, take this cup from me. Yet, Not as I will, but your will be done. And what happened? When he prayed persistently and submitting himself to God, the Father sent an angel. Because if you read the next verse, it said that an angel came and strengthened him. I want to tell you today, when you kneel before God, there 
is a God who is known as the God of the armies of heaven, the Lord of hosts. He will send help from heaven when you kneel before Him on earth. He's not going to leave you at that hard place, that tough place by yourself. He will send help from heaven to strengthen you and give you the power like He did His own Son Jesus, not only to bear the cross, but to conquer in spite of the cross you've had to bear. I'm saying to you today, if you're going through a tough time, the best place you can find yourself is on your knees before Almighty God who has heaven's angels ready and willing to dispatch and to help you. Woo! He knelt down on his knees just like Stephen. In Acts 7, 60, Stephen had shared his testimony, had gone through Israel's history, and the religious people were, 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 were acknowledging that he understood his history. But then when he got to the point of saying, and you crucified the Son of God, these religious leaders started taking rocks, stones, and they started pelting Stephen. And under that stoning, finally... He went down on his knees. And just before he's going to die, he says, Father, do not lay this charge against him. He extended forgiveness. Huh? But as he's on his way down on his knees, under the hurling of rocks that are pelting him, he looks up and he says, I see heaven open. And the Son of God standing, standing. The Bible says of Jesus in Romans 8.34, Hebrews 7.25, that He is at the right hand of God making intercession for us. The Bible tells us in Ephesians 1, Ephesians 2, that He is seated far above principality, power, might, dominion, and every name that is name. But there in Acts 7, it's the only time in the Scripture that from His position as our high priest, He, he is found standing. Why? Jesus was saying by that gesture and by that posture, Stephen, you were willing to stand for me on earth, even under persecution. I am now standing for you to say that what's going to happen there is not going to be your end. You are coming up from there to here. He knelt down as Paul and other leaders in the church did in Acts 20, 36, as Peter did in Acts 9, 40. Peter was invited to the house of a, that had a, a young girl by the name of Tabitha that had died. And when Peter was invited to go and pray for her, she was on her bed. And they took her up to where her room was. And what Peter did was something that Jesus had taught them. He got all of the doubters out of the room. He made everyone leave, and it was just him and that girl in that room. The Bible says that he knelt down, and then he prayed, and then he addressed that dead girl on the bed and said, Tabitha, arise. And the Bible says she rose. She got up. Why? Because.
because when you pray, you get connected with the one who has resurrection power. When you pray, you find a boldness to speak to things that others say is impossible. When you pray, you find a strength released to you that is greater than the struggle that is before you. I'm saying to you today, when you get down on your knees, you are doing more than getting in a posture of prayer. You are positioning yourself to get in contact with the greatest power that is out of this world. And that power will work in you and through you and around you and for you. The Bible tells us of Daniel that he knelt kneeling. What is it? It's the attitude of humility. It's the attitude of dependency. It is the posture of reverence. It's acknowledging he is royalty. He's king of kings and lord of lords. And it is a, it, it is the position of creaturehood. If you go to the book of Revelation, you will find that in heaven, the Bible reveals a scene where there are these living creatures, angelic beings that God has created. And they're up there offering continual worship and praise unto the Lord. The Bible says this in Revelation 4, verses 9 through 11. Whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to Him who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever. Watch this. The 24 elders fall down before Him who sits on the throne and worship Him who lives forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne saying You are worthy O Lord to receive glory and honor and power for You created all things and by Your will they exist and were created. These 24 elders they represent the 12 tribes of Israel and they represent the church of Jesus Christ. They kneel. They fall down before the one who sits on the throne. But watch what they do. They cast their crowns before Him as well. Why? Because they are acknowledging we are simply part of your created order. We don't exist for ourselves. You are the Creator and you created us for your pleasure. And when they cast their crowns before Him, the crown is representative of an achievement, of an accomplishment of a triumph of victory. It is the victor's crown that they are laying before him. Why? Because they are testifying through their worship. Every victory, every triumph that we experience on earth, it wasn't because of our might. It wasn't because of our power. It was because of your spirit. It was because of your help. It was because of your assistance. It was because of your anointing. When we kneel before him, we are acknowledging to whom we owe all praise, glory, honor, Church of Jesus Christ. We don't come here standing proudful as peacocks. No, we bow before the one on the throne because we acknowledge that the only reason we are alive and well today is because of His mercy, because of His grace, because of His faithfulness in our lives. And the Bible says that He prayed. How many times a day did Daniel pray? Where we get, we have, I have teacher aids in my fingers three times a day, yes. And watch Colossians 4 2. Paul writes to the church of Colossae be persistent and devoted to prayer. Be persistent and devoted to prayer. 
being alert and focused in your prayer life with an attitude of thanksgiving. Why persistent? Because one, God wants to know how hungry, how thirsty you are for your breakthrough. God wants to know how bad do you really want what you're asking for. But there's another reason we must exercise persistence in prayer. Because there's a devil that is determined to keep from us the answer that God has for us. There is a devil that is determined to stop the promise from coming to us. If you read on in Daniel's book, you will find in Daniel 10 that he fasted for 21 days. And then finally, the answer came. And it came in the form of an angel that came to tell him from the first day that you put yourself to seek God. I was sent from heaven with the answer for you. But he said there was a prince of Persia which represents a demonic power that withstood me for for 21 days. But then Michael the archangel, the fighting angel came and helped me to break through. And I'm able now to bring you the answer. You see, when we're praying here on earth, there's a battle going on in the heavenlies. But when you and I have a made up mind that I don't care how long it takes, I'm not giving up. I'm going to keep praying. God's heavenly help will reach you. God's answer, God's solution will arrive to you. And here's why we need to be persistent. Persistence in prayer breaks through the devil's resistance. Persistence in prayer breaks through the devil's resistance. Jesus spoke of the importance of persisting in Matthew 7, 7 in the Amplified. It tells us, ask and keep on asking and it will be given to you. Seek and keep on seeking and you will find. Knock and keep on knocking and the door will be Opened unto you. Do you notice in these verses there is a progression in this persistence? Asking, seeking, and knocking. Let's break it down. Asking means making a simple request. Seeking implies a stronger desire and more and a more definite kind of request. It is something that takes time. It implies a greater sense of urgency. And knocking shows a determination to get an answer. Mm. So he says we start with asking. We present our request to God. But then if we find ourselves still waiting, we move to seeking. We meet, we move into that mindset of I'm going to search until I find. And if still we find ourselves waiting, then we go up to heaven's door. And we say, I know you're in there. And I'm not going to stop knocking till you open the door. I'm wondering, is there anybody here like Jacob that will Dare to say to God, I'm not going to stop wrestling with you. I'm not letting you go until you bless me. Is there anybody here that like Elijah will send somebody to look for a sign? And even though they come back six times say, I see nothing. You're going to stay on your knees till they come back with the sign telling you, yes, I see the hand of a man. I see it over the sea. Is there anybody here that will say, I'm not going to give up. I'm going to be like a pit bull. 
bull on a pit bull on a pork chop. I'm not going to let go because I know my God has called me to receive His promises in my life. And there's nothing, there's no devil, there's no demon, there's no dilemma, there's no difficulty that's going to keep me from obtaining what He's promised. Oh. All right, all right. I brought my rally towel today. This is what I use. One of them at the gym. Because I knew I was going to sweat today. I knew I was going to have a workout today. Because I'm feeling this thing. And sometimes, you know, there's preachers that will shout, say amen, somebody. Or, come on, church. And that's not me. Because I don't need anybody to clap. I don't need nobody to say amen. I, 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 I cheer myself on. Because I know that what I'm preaching, it's not a fable. It's not a novel. It's not a, it is, it is not a myth. It is the word of God and it works. And it's like fire shut up in my bones. Woo! Yeah! Come on, somebody. Yeah. Now, one man describing his prayers said, when I pray, I push. Mm -hmm. When everything seems to go wrong, I push. When the job gets me down, I push. When people don't react the way they should, I just push. When my money looks funny and the bills are due, I just push. When I want to curse people out for whatever the reason, I just push. When people just don't understand me, I just push. What is push? It is pray until something happens. I'm here to tell you that the doors of opportunity are not going to open until you push. You got to pray until something happens. You got to have a made up mind. If God said it, then it is there for me to experience and to realize in my life. You got to keep, you got to stop cowering and just take whatever comes against you and realize he called you to stand. Why? Because he meant for you to stand. He didn't mean for you to lay down and be counted out. He meant for you to stand through his strength and be counted on and know that his word will be fulfilled in your life if you will push. Tell somebody, push. Push. You got to push. And then the Bible says of Daniel that he exercised supplication. When he prayed, he exercised supplication. What does supplication mean? To have mercy. To implore favor. I want you to understand this. God's word reveals that God is more inclined to grant favor to the person who asks for favor than to the person who acts like they are owed a favor. You don't come like the publican and say, well, I, I fast three times a week. I do this. I do that. I'm not like so-and-so. No, you come. You come not like the Pharisee, but the publican. You say, Lord, have mercy. Have mercy. And God will bless you. God will vindicate you when you simply come and ask for a favor. Dr. Helen... Rosevere, a missionary to Zaire, she told the following story. A mother at our mission station died after giving birth to a premature baby. We tried to improvise an incubator to keep the infant alive. But the only hot water bottle we had 
was beyond repair. So we asked the children to pray for the baby and her sister. One of the girls responded, Dear God, please send a hot water bottle today. Tomorrow will be too late because by then the baby will be dead. And dear Lord, send a doll for the sister so she won't be so lonely. That afternoon, a large package arrived from England. The children watched eagerly as we opened it. Much to their surprise, under some clothing was a hot water bottle. (laughs) Immediately, the girl who had prayed so earnestly started to dig deeper, exclaiming, If God sent that, I'm sure He also sent a doll. And she was right. The Heavenly Father knew in advance of that child's sincere request. And five months earlier, He had led a ladies' group to include both of those specific articles. Jesus said of God our Father, He knows what we have need of even before we ask Him. Could I be bold enough to declare and imply that even before you at times pray your prayer, God's already sending the answer on the way. Even before, because He's all-knowing, He knows what you're going to ask for. He's already got it prepackaged. He's got it prepared. And He's got Heavenly Federal Express on the way to your address. My friend, don't you stop praying. Don't you stop believing. Because when you ask of Him, He is a God who will operate and show you that his favor is on your life and then one more thing about daniel's prayer that i want to look at look again at daniel 6 10 it tells us at the end of that verse that he prayed and gave thanks he prayed and gave thanks those are the two wings that guarantee That your request will get from here to there. Prayer and thanksgiving. Prayer and thanksgiving. The two wings that will take your prayer from here to there. Dr. Norman Vincent Peale wrote this. Ralston Young carries bags for a living But his real job is living the Spirit of Christ as a porter in one of the world's greatest railway stations. One day he was asked to take a little old lady to her train. She was in a wheelchair, so he took her down on the elevator. As he wheeled her into the elevator, he noticed there were tears in her eyes. Ralston Young stood there as the elevator descended, closed his eyes, and he asked the Lord how he could help her. And the Lord gave him an idea. As he wheeled her off the elevator, he said with a smile, Ma'am, if you don't mind me saying so, that is a mighty pretty hat that you are wearing. She looked at him and said, Thank you. And may I add, He said, that sure is a pretty dress you have on. I like it so much. 
being a woman, this appealed to her. And despite the fact that she wasn't feeling well, she brightened up and asked, Why in the world did you say those nice things to me? Well, he said, I saw how unhappy you were. I saw you were crying, and I just asked the Lord how I could help you. The Lord said, Speak to her about the hat. The mention of the dress, he added, was my own idea. Don't you feel well? He asked. No, she replied. I am constantly in pain. I am never free from it. Sometimes I can't stand it. Do you by any chance know what it is like to be in pain all the time? Ralston had an answer. Yes, ma'am, I do. For I lost an eye, and it hurts like a hot iron, day and night. But you seem so happy now. How did you accomplish it? Just by prayer, ma'am. Just by prayer. She asked, does prayer, just prayer, take the pain away? Well, replied Ralston, perhaps it doesn't always take it away. I can't say it does. But it always helps me to overcome it so it doesn't seem like it burns so much. Just keep on praying, ma'am, and I'll pray for you too. Her tears were dried now. And she looked up at him with a lovely smile, took him by the hand and said, You've done me so much good. A year passed, and one night, At Grand Central Station, Ralston Young was paged to come to the information booth. A young woman was there who said, I bring you a message from the dead. Before she died, my mother told me to find you and tell you how much you helped her last year when she took the train in her wheelchair. She will always remember you even in eternity. She will remember you For you were so kind and loving and understanding. Then the woman burst into tears and sobbed in her grief. Ralston stood quietly watching her. Then he said, don't cry, Missy. Don't cry. You shouldn't cry. Give a prayer of thanksgiving. Surprised, the girl said, why should I give a prayer of thanksgiving? Because, said Ralston, many people have become orphans much younger than you. You had your mother for a long, long time. And besides, you still have her. You will see her again. Peel concludes by saying, Ralston's kindness have the same effect on the daughter as it had on the mother. In this huge station with thousands of people passing by, the two of them felt the presence of the one who inspired this wonderful porter to go around this way spreading love. When you pray, make sure that you include thanksgiving. Because when you pray with thanksgiving, it reminds you In spite of what I have lost, I still have something left. It reminds you when you give thanksgiving that God continues to sustain you in spite of the pain 
you've experienced. It was a late or rather early or very early morning on a Saturday. The wee hours of the morning when my mama passed away. I was in Manteca, there at her bedside along with my siblings. But on Sunday, you would have found me in Cutler at the service. I'm sure people were like, wait a minute, his mom just passed him. How is he worshiping? You know why? Because when I let her go, I prayed with thanksgiving. I said, Father, thank you. I only had my dad for less than 18 years of my life. But you gave me the gift of enjoying my mother later in her life. Experiencing many years with her. Thank you. And you showed me through her that even through pain, we can praise you. You taught me through her that even through difficulty, we can still look to you and find help no matter what we're going through. And I'm saying to us today that through Daniel, we learn that prayer is not an exercise in futility. It is an exercise that connects us with the God who does the impossible. He intervenes where there's a people that pray. Don't give up. Keep on praying. Father, I thank you for your word today. And I ask you to help us like Daniel to live heroically by deciding that we will pray persistently. We will pray daily. Our prayers will not be out of something that we exercise sporadically or occasionally. You know, like Daniel, we learn effective prayer is consistent praying. And Lord, we will kneel acknowledging that your royalty, acknowledging our dependence on you. Just like the psalmist acknowledged, my help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. We will kneel acknowledging that every victory, every triumph we owe to you. Every accomplishment, every achievement we owe to you. You're worthy. And I thank you that right here, right now, the veil is torn and the invitation is extended. With your heads bowed and eyes closed, I want you to know that during our worship time, we sang about that. That the veil has been torn. And when we're singing about that, in my worship time here, I said, God, I got your RSVP. And my answer is, I'm there. Yes, I'm there. And God has extended the invitation to you. Come to the throne of 
grace. There's mercy. There's grace for you today. Doesn't matter what you're contending or dealing with. You don't have to handle it. You don't have to handle your business. God is greater. And He invites you. Cast your care on me because I care for you. He invites you to come to His very throne room of grace and receive mercy and grace right at the nick of time. And so I'm going to issue an invitation for those that would say, Pastor, I need to kneel before God today. I need God's help. I need His intervention. I need His strength. Others of you that would say, you know what, I realize I haven't been persistent. And for me, I'm acknowledging today, I need to make up my mind that I will be persistent like Daniel. My prayers will not be sporadic. They will be continual. I'm going to pray effectively by praying consistently. That's my heart's desire. Then I invite you to come. This altar's open right now. You say, I need God at work. Come on. This is your opportunity. We are ready to join with you in prayer. This is our opportunity to put to practice what Daniel exercised and experience what he did. God's delivering work. God's intervening work. Because it's our God who promises that if we draw near to Him, He will draw near to us. Yeah. If we draw near to Him, He will draw near to us. The Bible says, Seek the Lord while He may be found. Call upon Him while He is near. And you say, Pastor, I need God. You come. Come. You draw near right now. Don't wait on anybody. This is you and God. This is your invitation from God Himself. And as I've often said, there is nothing that you should be embarrassed or ashamed of in coming. No, this is not an issue of embarrassment. It's an issue of, do you want His working in your life? Do you want what He's promised you? Then take the step in the right direction. Come before Him. Come and call on Him. Come and seek Him. That's it. Come and say, Lord, I want You. I want Your will to be done. Come and bow before the One who is worthy of Your and my submission, adoration, surrender. Yes, Lord. We come to You, Father. We thank You that today the invite is extended to us. Abba, thank you.